0: has to say for us on this beautiful chilly morning.
1: The conference has been muted.
0: Father God, we come before your throne of grace this morning. We pray right now that you will just like it unite us in one spirit, Father God. Give us this this oneness in heart that we would just listen to your voice this morning. Mm-hmm. God, I pray that, that even these words that, that we're going to meditate on, Father God, marinate us in this word this morning that we would not just leave from this, nor, Father God, we would not just like take these words lightly. Okay. Speak to us, Father, this morning and give us what you, Father God, has already ordained and blessed for us. God, we surrender this morning into your mighty hands. Okay. Father, you take the... Glory and Father. Yes, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So this morning, we will talk about the extension to the covenants that we've been talking about. We've been talking about all of these covenants from Edenic covenant to Adamic covenant and how God was just speaking to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15. He was talking about like a how the seed of the woman would crush the head of the enemy, right? And that, uh, that part of the covenant never changed. What God said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15, he never shied away from it until the last chapter in Revelation was written. All, all these covenants that uh, we've been Seeing over the last several months, we've been seeing about the Noah covenant or the Noahic covenant, that God was just making himself known to Noah and how he was going to uh, redeem one family, and then he would multiply from there. And then we move forward, and God chooses this man named Abram. Uh, from the land of Babylon uh, or Syria uh, or in that neighborhood area. And then he brings them into the promised land and he says, I'm going to give you a, a land, a promised land, where you would actually live in liberty and that I would actually make a nation out of you, the seeds that are going to come through you will become a nation, a great nation, and your name will be there. That's why even today, uh, even both the, the Islamic community and the, the Christianity uh, have one father, Abraham, that they are all, like, if you just like to take these two communities together, like yes, of course, Ishmael was, was uh, an, uh, Uh, A a mistake or Ishmael was something that God did not actually agree with, uh, Abraham and Sarah. uh, But, you know, they still would call Father Abraham even today. Right This week I was just listening to how the world economy is changing a little bit with this Russia and Ukraine war that uh, Russia has... uh, for, uh, for the first time, is saying uh, they, they will sell the oil without having the U.S. currency or American currency um, be the benchmark for selling the oil. They're using rubles and Indian rupees and the Chinese, um, you know, currencies, and it's it's just like a huge change. And I was thinking to myself, why it's so significant is because. If Russia doesn't want to adapt to the US dollars, they're only 2% of the world's economy. But now they have India, which is a 17% of world's population, and China, which is an 18% world's population, and Saudi Arabia, which is also not as huge as India or China, but they're making nearly 40-42% of these people now wanting to neglect American dollars in the world market. It's just a huge economic. And that's one of the reasons why the gas price is going so high because, you know, there is a supply and demand that that is going to cause a little bit of this um, U.S. dollars to go down and the the price of gas going up. All to say that there there is a change in the world that's going to happen. But you know what? None of these are surprises to God who made the heavens and earth. He is still the king of kings, and he's still the Lord of lords, and he is the one who created everything. This man-made stuff will calm down, and that we would still see God making a great nation out of the seeds of Abraham. And the Bible says, I will bless those who bless you. Then we moved on um, where the children of Israel spent 430 to 460 years in, in Egypt as slaves. And that uh, how God was just like uh, using those. Can you imagine the message of Abraham has to be told with no printed materials or anything? But God was using the word of mouth to just like uh, keep that alive. And the reason why that is so critical is because during the 430 years, the children of Israel have lost their hope on their own God. But God never lost his hope on his people. He is a faithful God. He is the God who is not only a loving God, but he is also a loving father. And so he brings them out of uh, the Egypt and he just takes them into the promised land. On the way to promised land, they stop by Mount Sinai and God gives them a law through Moses. And the covenant that he made with Moses at that point was to give the, the children of Israel how they should live in their promised land how they need to get out of the slave mindset from their heads and so they move on uh getting the mosaic law and then they they bring in kings um and god remembers right now the children of israel have done a lot of bad things at this point uh, and they've just like uh, gotten themselves into a place where they have forgotten about everything that he has said in the Mosaic law. So he needs to redeem the mankind. And so he says, I'm going to make a seed of David. that There is going to be a seed of David that's going to actually come later. He's going to actually be the king, the everlasting king, that his reign will be there forever and that he is going to bring all my people home. And then he, he gives the new covenant to Jeremiah. Je, Jeremiah 31, we saw how God says, this law that I gave it to Moses, I'm actually going to write it into the hearts and minds of my people. And so he starts to talk about like a how this word is not going to be just like a written in a piece of paper. It's going to be real for the people. And so then he gives this beautiful, beautiful part in that covenant that it says, I will remember their sins no more. And how does he accomplish this? How does a good God can shy away from looking at all the things that we could be potentially doing wrong or we did do wrong? And so he gives a path through Christ. And this morning, we're just going to talk about uh, in the chapter uh, how God uses the Son of the Living God to just like allow him to go to that rugged cross. This morning, we're going to see how the cross was one of those new covenant accomplishments that God had already planned. These days, a lot of people put this cross on their necks uh, as, uh, as necklaces. Some people have like a tattoos in their hands, and uh, there are like a bikers that I've seen them go with like a cross on their, on their leather seats and the leather jackets, right? Uh, but here's the thing. There is no symbol or emblem that is more glorified and more worship than the symbol of this cross. In fact, the symbol, this emblem that uh, of cross, was not only representing Christ dying, but it also represents our salvation. I I was so surprised to see how the history of cross actually went even way back before Christ. Actually, there there are some roots of this cross from China and India as well. And, and, and the thing is this. They may have started with the cross, but as the song says about this, this emblem, it says, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and the best for the world of lost sinners was slain. This this, uh, songwriter said, I will cherish this old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Isn't that amazing? One of these days that we're going to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you know we would exchange you know this old rugged cross for a crown. When we go home, when the Lord receives us, we would see this cross standing before us and and this this whole cruelness of his death. And I read that uh, yesterday in Matthew chapter 27. Oh, my God, how graphical it is. And, and the only guy that came very close to picturizing that uh, is this, uh, um, you know, Mel Gibson in that movie, The Crucifix or The, the, the Passion of the Christ. Uh, he just like uh, captured this moment, uh, the last moment of like a uh, how cruelly they would have treated him, the graphics on which he is just like explaining the gruesomeness of his death, the most painful death, right? And later, during the days of Constantine in the 4th century, um, that he actually abolished those kind of like uh, torture and death on the cross. And so from that moment on, when he actually demolished until that point, the cross was seen as a curse, a public humiliation. But then when he abolished them, the that, that cross now became a symbol of uh, uh, something that we would cherish. And people would put it on their chariots. Uh, people would put it on their boxes and so on. So the cross got introduced. With the, uh, uh, Additionally, it became international symbol when Red Cross Started to put on their on their logos, right? And so this morning, I would like for us to go to First Corinthians chapter seven, uh, chapter one, and we can just spend a little bit of time on on this chapter today as we meditate on the cross. And I believe we will spend a little bit of more time. This is a beautiful season. This is a season where we would remember the the Good Friday. We would remember the. Easter, and everything that's going to come. And it's, it's perfect timing for us to be meditating on this. So if we can go to First Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verses 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So he's saying, I cannot do any justice with my own wisdom. Uh, It it will have absolutely no effect on people but the cross of Christ. For the message of cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are ready, uh, getting ready for the eternal life, everlasting life, because we are not going to be perishing right after the death on this earth. We have a place to go. So to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request for Jews request a sign and a Greek seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to Greek foolishness. Foolishness, But to those who are called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weaknesses of God is stronger than man. This morning, as we meditate on the cross, the message of cross is slowly getting lost from the church. That they, they're thinking these days that they can actually achieve this, this salvation through social activism and good works, right? The cross is actually missing from the church. There is this mega church in Charlotte called the Elevation, and they don't have a cross in their church. How foolish is that? We're not here to have a, 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 a best orator of gospel. We don't need that. That's, that's liberalism. If we take cross from... If we take the Christ from the cross or cross from the Christ, that's no good. Some of these churches have to get back to the roots because they're thinking cross is offensive. They want to be seeker-sensitive. That's what these churches are preaching on. They want the seekers to, to not get offended by cross. Really? They need to be Jesus-sensitive rather than seeker-sensitive. Without the blood on the rugged cross, there is no redemption or remission for our sins. There is no way that we can get to the, the eternal life without cross. In fact, we're going to exchange the cross for our crown. The cross represents the self-sacrifice that God made through his son. The cross represents the submission of this heavenly father sending his son to die. The cross represents the death of physical and material reality of this earth. The cross represents the rejection. And the man that died on the cross was not guilty, but was publicly forsaken. The cross represents one thing for this enemy, that his head is crushed by the heels of the seed of this woman. There were two people that died on the cross. Many people died on the cross. In fact, the last days of Jesus, there were two guys on both sides, hung on the cross, but their blood did nothing to the world. Only the one that was actually planned to die on that rugged cross, the drip of his blood from that cross is still alive and still washes away my sin and your sin. There's this beautiful song at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. That's right. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I've done? He crawled up on the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, the love beyond degree. And then the songwriter writes this, uh, he must have felt uh, so close to this cross because he says uh, when he comes closer to the cross, uh, the burdens of his heart rose away. If, if you are heavy in your heart this morning, all you and I need to do is just like a go closer to that cross and hug that cross because of the burdens of our heart will roll away. The Christ came to die not for the righteous but for the sinners, says the word of God. Nothing that I'm going to say today is new to you. The next thing that I'm going to say is not something that you've not heard in the past, but, but but I'm praying and hoping that God reminds you of the things that that we may have just like a left behind, uh, or or uh, just uh, you know watching it over the rear view mirror but there is some perfection in the power of the Christ that took the cross on his shoulder. This morning I'm going to talk about like a. Three things the cross did on, on that day when he went to the Kolkata. three things number one, the cross is not for the finished product. when Paul wrote this verse in first Corinthians right he he is writing uh, Paul did a lot of missionary trips right and one of those missionary trips, he spent time on this town called Corinth, right? Corinth is a port city. Anytime there is like a, a water attached to, to a town or a city uh, where the goods from different places can only go through that, and that's why you see San Francisco and New York and any place where the water is on the shores of the city, Chicago, and so on, you find a lot of businesses, a lot of things go back and forth. Corinth was a, a port city, right? Corinth is a port city. And so a lot of goods were going in and out of that city, not only that lot of people, a lot of thinking that were going in and out of that city, so much so that it has introduced a lot of problems, not only to the church, but also to, to the people of that city. There was so much corruption that was happening in that town. One time I did a study on the, on the book of Corinthians, and I was so amazed by how much corruption of mind, how much corruption of the, the uh, sexual immorality or sexual misbehavior was happening in this town. There, there are temples that were built in that town where the prostitutes will be there throughout the day, and in the night they would come into the city, and they were just like you know demolishing the the uh, moral values of that city. But Paul has something very crucial that he wanted to address, and he was the first. If we see just the first Corinthians. Chapter 1, you will see how Paul wants to address the spiritual superiority that people had over one another. Some were saying, like, uh, I'm of Paul, I'm of this, I'm of that. They were trying to create, like, a a table, or they were trying to create a pulpit for themselves. This is a danger today of modern-day Christianity as well. We are trying to create platform for us all the time. We're trying to create things that can actually like become the hero for the cross. We wanted to actually put our name in the front. And, and Paul was just like saying, no, we cannot be doing this. The cross does it all. The cross has everything done for you and me. And so he's talking about like a house. There are a couple of issues that he was dealing with, this uh, spiritual superiority, and then also people suing one another in public courts. Why is this so familiar? <laughs> you know, we do this all the time uh, in South Dakota. If you don't um, return the, the books that you took from library, the library, the cops show up in your house to pick up those books. Really? And we have done so much of damage to this nation by suing one another and creating an industry uh, for this. The prison industry exists because we, we have learned to sue each other so publicly, in quotes. Abusing communal meals is another issue. The, the people were just like uh, selling the meat that was offered to the foreign gods, and and the people who believed in Christ uh, were buying those things and causing so much of confusion within the church, uh, whether that is correct or wrong. Sexual disbehavior. So he starts to write, uh, but then when I'm thinking about it, uh, this is no different than what we are facing today in America. Some of the issues that Paul saw in those days, are still alive and true today. And we see that all the time. And so here, when we talk about this, when we talk about these issues, I'm not really trying to put down like a, some church or the, a preacher, but I'm saying that we need to stand together for the truth, We need to stand together in the gospel. We need to stand together in what saves our soul and takes us to the eternity. And this place that we are in right now, even though it may not look perfect, it is a perfect hospital where God can do his work on his people. And that's why in verse 18 it says, for the message of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it's not like a finished product we are a continuous work in progress we are we are not finished product but at the same time we can come together under the cross and get our sins washed we can get to the cross and get ourselves renewed Every single day. And God is not expecting all of our lives to be perfect. All of our decisions to be perfect. God is not expecting us to know it all. He says, if you are being saved, if you are going in the right direction, you are the perfect candidate for my gospel. You you are the reason why I went to that rugged cross. So the number one reason or the the number one um, representation of Christ is, is just reminding us constantly that it is not for the finished product. If we are saved, if we are clean, if we are holy, and there is nothing bad in our life, then we could potentially not use the cross. But here, we need the cross. Every single day. That's why the songwriter says, "I cherish, I will cherish the old rugged cross." Number two, the cross represents the the forgiveness. Um, and I've said this story before as well, so it's probably a repeat. Where uh, archaeologists uh, have have uh, when they were digging through some of these places in Israel they found the, some of the expensive toilets. And those toilets were made out of marble. Those toilets were made out of expensive stones. And in, in these toilets were actually used in in a rich man's house in those days. And when they pulled out these toilets, they found the hole at the bottom Right, which is normal because the hole in the bottom to just like take the water and everything the waste to go down. But they also saw a hole on the sides of those toilets, and those sides of those toilets were given holes because the people would actually clean the toilet through the sides of those toilets. And and the thing is this, this cleaning service became so popular that Roman soldiers were actually hired to clean those toilets in those days. And when, when Jesus was on the cross and when he said, I am thirsty, I thirst, right? The Bible says, I thirst. There was a soldier standing there with a bucket of vinegar. And the Bible is very clear. That was a bucket which had not only the vinegar, but gall. Gall is another word for human waste. Right? And, and when he said he was thirsty, there was a man that was standing with a stick and a sponge and a bucket of vinegar mixed with gall. And he showed that in my Savior's mouth. And the God of this universe, knew exactly what it was, and he was refusing to take it, right? And, and Matthew chapter 27, 34 says, they offered him wine to drink mixed with the gall, human waste, and he refused to drink it. But Psalm 69, 21 says, They poisoned my food with gall and gave me vinegar to quench my thirst. That word needed to be fulfilled and so he sucked that vinegar on your behalf and my behalf. And then he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And the thing is this, it was to that extent that God was able to You know, look beyond those guys and say, "Hmm, I just want to punish them because of what they did. They did not, you know, do this to satisfy, you know, somebody's order, but because it was written in the past. I do not know who we need to forgive today and what they have done. And it may not be to the extent of like what they did to Christ. But we have an opportunity today to forgive somebody. We have an opportunity to get this act right. The cross represents the forgiveness. The moment we see cross, I pray. Sometimes the scar people leave in our hearts are so deep that it's not easy to forgive. But I pray that the the God of this universe will give you the heart the new heart to forgive those who have sinned against you and me. This morning, when we look at that cross. The cross is a perfect symbol that we can actually imprint in our hearts this morning. That we would, we would have a connect. The moment next time we see the cross, we would connect it to what Jesus went through on that rugged cross. And the thing is this, I was talking about it on Friday night, uh, in our you know evening prayer. I was saying how Judas thought he killed Jesus, and that's why he went and hung himself upside down through his like uh, the the silver that he just got as a um, you know uh, a payment for showing who Jesus is on that night. But but if only Jew, Judas. Just a time to just like a talk to Jesus. Jesus would have reminded him or told him that he did actually help Jesus uh, to fulfill a promise and a prophecy that was written over five, six hundred years ago on how he's going to die on the rugged cross. Jesus would have reminded Judas of Jeremiah 31, the forgiveness. Uh, that is going to be needed for this mankind comes from that cross. Judas could have talked to somebody because he acted on his own. He was alone, I think. That's why he did not know what Jesus had in his mind and what was written on his head to come to this rugged cross. This morning, I do not know what unfinished business that you have with somebody, but as we meditate on the cross, God is reminding you to go back and look at any unfinished business so we can actually enjoy the freedom in the cross. The third one is the cross represents redemption. All the four Gospels, the climax ends with Jesus dying on the rugged cross and raising on the third day. You know, last night I was just meditating on this. What just like stuck struck me is that God chose to do this very act on the day of Passover. He could have cha- chosen the day of atonement, because the day of atonement is the day when the, the priest went into the Holy of Holies and poured the blood on the mercy seat, for the sins of Israel. Jesus could have chosen that day, but then he chose the day of Passover. And I was thinking, why, God, did you choose this day over the other day? The reason why he was choosing that day, because he wants to represent, he wants to take a day that represents the children of Israel, leaving the bondage after half a century of slavery. The cross and the Calvary represents the redeeming of the mankind from the clutches of sin. He wants to go back and tell that enemy that Genesis 3.15 that the, his head is going to be crushed uh, not because uh, he's going to fight with that enemy, but instead he's going to take the children out of his hands to the promised land. He was redeeming you and me on the dreaded cross. I was listening to Billy Graham, who's absolutely, uh, uh, has done amazing messages on the cross. And he says that you and I are the one, you know, who are killing this Jesus. We'll come to that in a minute. But the, the thing that got from Billy Graham's messages, is that he has done so many messages on the cross and he's talking about how that the redemption for us is through the cross, through this holy cross, he says a mighty battle was fought. All the dark forces of sin inspired by the demonic spirit hastened to crucify the Son of the Living God. But he says the redemption is at the heart of our Christian faith. The cross was the symbol of public humiliation before Christ, right? that's what we saw. But Paul writes it so beautifully in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, he says, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespassers, having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us, which was a contra- contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and the powers. He made a public spectacle of them Triumphing over them in it. There was a man named John Scott in his book The Cross of Christ. He says the good news is God's divine satisfaction by way of divine substitution. What he's saying is that uh, that God cannot look the other way when, when the mankind does things wrong. He's a, he's a good God. He's a judge. Uh, he is the uh, he is the, the judge of this universe. He cannot see the sin and just like a look at the way, but instead he says, I'm going to substitute the punishment for them. Sometimes, you know, I, I wonder how Christ would have just taken it on the day of crucifixion. He was even begging God, God, if it is your will, let that cup be removed. But God says, no, 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 no. I have a better plan. A better plan is to redeem this mankind. As I was researching this area of the cross, um, I found out a pelican is a bird characterized uh, by its large throat and a long beak, right? This pelican is a, is a symbol of redemption that was used um, in the olden days, the, the Eucharistic symbol of redemption was pelican. And I was thinking, why pelican? Right? And there is an ancient story or a belief where a mother pelican pierces its breast to save its young ones from starvation. This noble action that they saw as a representation of Christ redeeming his children. And so this morning, the three things that I talked about, number one, I talked about how the symbol of cross represents for you and me this morning that we don't need to be a finished product. Number two, we don't really need to take this burden and walk further with the unforgiveness in our heart because the cross represents forgiveness. And number three, The cross represents the redemption. That, you know, God had this plan to take us from the clutches of sin to the promised land. How do I react to all these things today? How do I react to this message of cross, right? How do I react to what God did on that rugged cross? Number one, we need to deny ourselves. We need to deny ourselves. What does it mean, Pharaoh? Right. I grew up in a Catholic church, right? And during this time of party days, this Lent season uh, is, is very special in Catholic uh, church. Uh, I'm sure it's very special everywhere, but the, the Catholic church took it one notch higher in the season. And, and especially during the Fridays, they have this thing called the Way of the Cross, right? Uh there are fourteen stations where the priest will come and talk about each of those fourteen stations right and he would break the 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 happenings of those stations and then he would talk about like a how we can actually learn or if there is a message at the at each of those stations so it's almost like a, you know every friday the the Friday before um the good friday they would come and they just would meditate on these 14 stations of the cross right and one time there was a father who was preaching and he talked about how the roman soldiers were beating christ right and they were spitting on his face and they were putting the cloth on his face and beating him and asking him who kicked his face and so on and the nail pierced hands and he was talking about all of those, but at the end he said, those Roman soldiers did that to Jesus only once. But you and I do to him every day when we deliberately disobey his commandments. This imagery that this, this father painted that day just got stuck in my head where anytime I do something wrong, It just convicts me that I am the one who's today like a crucifying my Christ. I'm the one who's actually beating on his face. I'm the one who's spitting on his face. If I don't recognize the sovereignty of this Christ and the redemptive act on the cross that Jesus did and do exactly like what the world does, then there is no bitter experience that Christ would have after what he has done on that rugged cross. And and Paul writes about this in Galatians, and he says, for me, may I boast anything about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Paul is, like when, when, when he wrote this book of Galatians, Paul is once, you know, um, going through an experience um, of people who are actually boasting over the conversion of people. Boasting, uh, and they were called like a Judaizers, and they were not only boasting over the conversion of the Greeks and other religious people, even Jews, but they were doing some false teachings. And Paul was just like disgusted with that. He he was actually showing that, you know, how these guys were bragging, uh, having a bragging rights as a salesman uh, for the the, uh, Christ or the Christianity. And so he was writing with utter frustration that this particular chapter, and he was saying, "Because he is justified by faith in, you know, he was saying to the people in that time that, that my justification is from the cross. I no longer need the approval of the people of this world. You and I doesn't need the approval of the people of this world. You and I don't need the world to tell us how we need to live because the world has nothing to offer to us. Just as the world at large certainly does not want what you know, we have to offer to, him, to them. Because of the cross, Paul is saying, I'm free from all these bondage of the world. And the Bible says the only way that we would nail him to that rugged cross every day is when we are sold to the world. Uh, Yesterday, this guy Selva, um, he's a tech guy uh, on our team, and we were talking, and he said that he's fasting. And I was uh, asking him about his fasting. And he said, he and his family are staying away from any media. They are fasting for 40 days with no TV or internet. As a result, you know, and plus they are fasting from food as well from every day for the 40 days. He and his wife are fasting from, you know, 6 a.m. or 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. or something like that. He said, like, they don't eat any food during the day. And they are also staying away from media, like a TV, right? And I was thinking to myself, as an adult, it's possible. How did he sell this vision to his kids who are three and five years old? I was very impressed. Uh, And, uh, you know, the thing is that, that, you know, what was he doing? He was denying the, the pleasures of this world. And the thing is that, you know, he has taken this to a notch of like even making his children. He said, my kids, initially, they were very agitated, not able to see the TV. But then they learned to accept. And now they are reading the books. And they are just like doing things without watching TV for these 40 days. And I was thinking, what a sign of denial that is. And what a sign of telling the enemy that I don't need to be bought over by you. And we just like get so sucked into all these news and every media throwing at us that uh, there was a news that the new wave or a new strand of COVID they saw in China and now China is in lockdown and all those things. We get like so sucked into all these things. But If only we deny the the pleasures of this world, God says, like, there is a freedom that I would restore. And the second thing the Bible says is, take up our cross. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 says, Then he said to the crowd, if anyone of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way, own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. In another place, Jesus also says, uh, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. There is a difference between a believer and a disciple. And believer believes, right? Every one of us uh, sometimes in, in our life, we started to believe in Christ. So is the enemy, He also believes in Christ. He also believes that the the cross brings redemption. But the disciple is the one not only believes, but he does what the Word of God says. And here, taking up our cross means picking up and acknowledging our vulnerable state. Most of us, right, every one of us, we spend our lives doing just the opposite. We, we prepare to go to this job site. We want you to build this. We want you to do that. We want you to use our strength. We go into the schools. We train ourselves because we can make money with all the strength that we bring to the table. We even do things, you know, to prove to the world what our strength is. But God says, take up your cross. It means lay aside those strength areas, which means like, you know, start to look at the areas of your weaknesses because the cross includes both our strength and our weaknesses. God says this is a time to lay aside our, our ego strength aside. God says taking up our cross means picking up those weaknesses that we often try to run away from. That is, taking up our cross means like a carrying around those places where we are vulnerable, the places where we may be even exposed to the embarrassment and shame. These, these places that we go to are not comfortable to us because we sometimes hurt some people or hurt ourselves with the words that we say, with, with our anger, we do certain things. Those are vulnerable spots. The ego, the pride, those are vulnerable spots, vulnerable places. But we would rather not go, right? That's our normal tendency. God says, you know, we still need to take ourselves to the, the cross, the, both the strength and our weaknesses and and go to him because taking that cross with that strength and the weaknesses, the vulnerable spots in our life and acknowledging that before God and and telling him, God, this is my weakness. God, this is not the area of my strength. You're asking me to carry myself to these places that I would be exposed of my weakness. God, you're asking me to go to a place where these people don't really like me. God, you're asking me to go to those meetings where I am not comfortable. God, you're asking me to go to a place where there is so much of deception, but you're asking me to go there to expose my weaknesses, the people that I'm going and staying. If I go to their houses, I'm, I, I get like sucked into drinking alcohol or I get sucked into just like watching certain movies. I get sucked into my weaknesses. God says that's your cross. You need to show up there and you can look around and tell me how you can you can be strengthened. Don't shy away from the place that I've called you to go. And God says, you know, you and I uh, will experience something quite powerful when we acknowledge our weakness. And God says, uh, that's the cross that you need to bring before me so I can lift your burdens out. I can make your the heaviness out of your shoulders. I can teach you to take my burdens and my yoke. Why would God do all these things? Why would God do all these things? The Bible says you know, He did all of these things because of His love for you and me. The length of the Ephesians chapter 3 verses 17 through 19 and the 18th verse says that because He did that because his length and the width and the height and the depth of his love cannot be measured. That is beyond our comprehension. And God did that by going to that rugged cross because he knows one day we need that help. And when we look at the cross today, my prayer for you and me is that it will come as a reminder to you and me that we are still an unfinished product. The cross should remind us every single time that if we are walking by a, a situation that we have hurt somebody or there is an unfinished business, God says the cross should be a strong reminder to get those accounts settled and cross is nothing but a, 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 an emblem or representation of redemption. God has a plan to redeem you and me, and that's what he wrote in, in Jeremiah chapter 31. And that redeeming plan that he had will only get us to the place where we would enjoy his presence. And this this act of like a redemption is not something that just came as a last-minute act, but it came in God's mind when he wrote Genesis 3.15. And when, we, when he takes us home in Revelation 22 and see him face-to-face, face, and he knows that all along he's been talking about it. From Acts to Revelation, it is about the redemption story of like a what Christ did on that rugged cross and he chose the day uh, where the the death angel passed over and he chose that day because uh, he wants to bring us all home from the clutches of sin i hope this uh, this coming days you will continue to meditate on the cross and what it represents in your life and mine, Ms. Katina.
1: Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Cyril, for this uh, powerful message and for reminding us week after week that God never lost his hope for his people from the beginning, from the Edenic covenant all the way to the new covenant. And that the cross is just an extension to the covenants. And I just thank him so much for this word. Um, God uses the Son of the Living God being hung on that old, rugged cross as a symbol that we are to glorify the living God. It represents Christ' dying. And it also represents salvation. And it's a symbol of the new covenant. And I thank you so much for, for this word this morning. I thank you for just the, you know, coming from First Corinthians, the first tra- chapter, and how it addresses all the spiritual superiority that people have. I thank you for allowing us a message of the cross that will allow us to do some self-reflection and look inward and ask ourselves, do we have, are we holding on to any superiority actions? Because those things are still going on today. You know, as Christians, sometimes, you know, we start to think that, you know, because we, you know, have a relationship with the Lord, we feel like we have arrived somehow. But, you know, First Corinthians addresses that. It addresses this type of uh, spiritual superiority. Thank you for bringing this word today to hopefully bring us down to size. Thank you for reminding us of the message of the cross and how a lot of the churches are moving away from it. A lot of the churches are looking at their spiritual leaders, you know, as idols. You know, that's that superiority that they was talking about in 1 Corinthians first chapter. We look around our churches and has the cross been removed from your church? So it makes me reflect upon the church that I was in, and I think about that. There's no cross. So if there's Mm -hmm. no cross, there's no blood. Mm -hmm. And if there's no blood, there's no death. That's no salvation. We have to die daily. The cross reminds us that this is a daily walk to die to ourselves every day. The cross reminds us that there is a blood that was shed, that there is a blood that needs to flow from inside of us so that we can die to ourselves, so that we can have the salvation that Christ died on the cross for us to obtain. Thank you for sharing with us some of the points that the cross represents. And it just really, really just gives me much pleasure to know that I can rest in the unfinished product that I am, that I am a continuous work in progress, that you, you, and you, we're all a continuous work in progress. Every time I see the cross, every time I I, I read my word, every time, you know, I see a symbol of a cross, I can be reminded of the unfinished product. I don't have to know it all. We don't have to know it all. The cross helps renew us every day, and every day we need to be renewed. Every day we need new grace and mercy bestowed upon us to remind us that we are unfinished products. And then you also talked about that we don't have to walk in unforgiveness. I'll tell a story about – uh a wound that I used to have. I was a young mm-hmm. child, and I remember having this uh, walking uh, bare feet outside, and I ended up uh, getting a glass bottle, a, a broken piece of glass stuffed in my uh, my my foot. It was actually right underneath my great toe. And for years, that wound kept opening and opening and opening. And when I think about unforgiveness, I think about the bruises that we have. That just keep reopening itself. It's not a scar yet because a scar means that something has healed. Mm -hmm. It's just a reminder of something that used to be there. We need to get to the point where our bruises will heal and it's just a scar that reminds us of the journey that we took towards unforgiveness. If that thing is still opening up, if that wound is still fresh and if that wound is still opening up, I ask you to ask yourself, what unforgiveness are you harboring we can't pick up our cross if we're harboring unforgiveness if that wound is still open constantly every time something happens and we're triggered by that thing it's a constant reminder that we are still that thing is unforgiven. let's go to the cross and let's ask for forgiveness then there's redemption Jesus died and rose for our sins, saving mankind. And here, yet again, we can see that God's promise of the covenant is still made known because he said that the head of the enemy will be crushed by the seed. And we can see that by Jesus dying and rising rot- and on the third day, saving for what reason? For saving us, for saving us from the enemy, for crushing the enemy's head. For redeeming us, for giving us another chance, for putting our sins behind His back, so that He can save us. Hallelujah. So now, what, what what can we do moving forward? Like, what what do we do with all these points? What do we do with this message? Well, the cross reminds us that we need to, to deny ourselves. You know, when I think about denying myself, I think about Romans twelve two. And it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Mm -hmm. God will show us what's acceptable unto him. He'll show us what we need to deny ourselves for, of. He'll show us what is truly acceptable unto him and thus strengthen our minds. that we are able to go through the denial process he'll renew our minds he'll renew our thoughts so think about that thing that you've been holding on to that thing that you know is just not right i know that the lord has dealt with you about it that's the area that you need to start denying he will strengthen our minds so we will no longer yearn for the pleasures of this world And then we need to pick up that cross daily and follow God. Pick up those weaknesses, those vulnerabilities, those things that we keep trying to avoid, those past hurts, those traumas, you know, whatever that sinful act is. Those are the things that he wants us to come to him with. He wants us to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we have these issues. He wants us to be exposed in our weakness. And not because he wants to embarrass us. He wants to strengthen us through those weaknesses, through those vulnerabilities. Think about those things. What what is that thing that you've been running away from? What is that thing that you've been avoiding? What is that thing that you don't want anybody to know about? Because that's the very thing that we need to take before the Lord, because he wants us to reign and be powerful in that thing and know that we are loved regardless of those things. Thank you for finally reminding us and just circling back to that unfinished product. It reminds us that we need to get our affairs in order. He wants us to get to a place where we can enjoy his presence. Like I can remember when I was a young kid, I used to always hear people say, oh, you know, when I get myself together, then I'm going to get saved. When I get myself together, then I'm going to go to church. God doesn't want us to try to get anything together because we can't do it on our own. He wants us to come unfinished. He doesn't want us to come thinking we're finished. He wants us to come knowing I am a work in progress. He is the only one that can finish me. This is the perfect message for this perfect season that we're in. As we are approaching the resurrection season, This is a time for reflection and repentance and thinking about the cross and thinking about the acts that happened on that day, the things leading up to it on that day, the things things that happened afterwards. Reflect upon your weaknesses. Reflect upon your sins. Pick up your cross and reign in the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Bettina. And the thing this story of Christ is a bloody story. It's covered with blood every turn, every way we look. But unless we take this cross seriously and go before Him, you know, there is no redemption for our souls and our spirit. This morning, as we prepare for the communion, Uh, I'm going to read this prayer, and as I'm reading this prayer, I'm, I'm asking you to just like reflect on the words, if you can just like even close your eyes, and just reflect on the words that are coming out of this prayer, that I'm praying that it will be a blessing for you. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility, and ask you to examine our hearts this morning show us, God, if there is anything that is not pleasing before you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion, any unforgiveness. God, if there is any one of these things is hindering our relationship, Father, we wanted to leave that today on the hills of Calvary. We know that you have chosen us. We are your beloved children. We, Father God, you have been receiving our hearts and our lives, Father God, into your kingdom, Father God. You paid a penalty through your death on the rugged cross for our sinfulness. God, you prayed the price to cover us from all our sins. Father, God, this morning our desire is to live for you and you alone. God, as we take this bread representing your, your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who receive you. Thank you, God, for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you, Father, that your death gave us life an abundant life now and for eternity. God, we receive this bread in remembrance of you. Let's go ahead and take this bread. Hallelujah. And in the same way, We take this cup representing your blood poured out from that splintered cross as you are a supreme sacrifice for all of us, past, present, and future. Today, Father God, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. Let's take this. Hallelujah. 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 God, we are so thankful this morning. God, we are so thankful that you, Father God, thought of us even before we were formed in our mother's womb. God, we are so thankful that this morning is just not another morning, that you, Father God, has just like instilled in us, Father God, a higher standard, that we, Father God, would deny ourselves, Father God. The world has nothing to offer to us, and we have have things, Father God, that the, the world is constantly have rejections on. God, even this morning as we come before your throne of grace, Father God. This rugged cross, Father God, that you died on is just an act of redemption, Father God. You've planned so meticulously, Father God, to save us and take us, Father God, to a place where we would enjoy your presence, God, as the Bible says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. God, this morning, as we go into this world, Father God, let the fullness of joy be restored in our lives, Father God. I pray for my brothers and sisters on this life, Father God. If there is a mountain that is standing before and saying how big it is, God give us the strength to tell the mountain how big our God is. God, there is nothing that you cannot do. There is no Father God weapon that's going to form against us, will prosper, and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you will break away all the strongholds, Father God, from our own lives this morning. God, I just pray for the people that are just like suffering right now in Ukraine and other parts of the world. God, we remember Colette's brother-in-law this morning, Father God, that he will, Father God, will have the peace and the family will rest on your plans and not theirs, Father God. God, I pray for the Father Bert and for his son. God, he's just like a fighting with tears in his eyes, Father God, you are a God who knows the yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills because he thought that the help is going to come from the hills. But no, it comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. God, I pray this morning that we will keep you and your cross in front of us of our hearts, mind, and our soul this morning. We surrender ourselves, Father God, into your mighty hands. You take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for your glory. Amen.
1: The conference has been unmuted.
0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Thank you Lord. Amen. Thank, Thank, you, Lord. You. Thank you, Father. Glory Thank
1: to God. God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus. 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 Have a great week, everyone.
0: Thank you. You too. Okay. Have, a, have an amazing day. Everyone will see you very soon. But in the meantime, you know, just like I left your spirits up this morning and that God will just let like it go before you. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Be blessed, everyone. Amen. Thank
0: you. Amen.